Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines. Um, me, Gary Middleton, and special guest today is Gateshead FC first team coach Ian Watson. Ian, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. No, thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, the topic today we're going to talk about is coaching values. Um, but before we get into that, Ian, um, first of all, thanks for coming on. And can you just explain to everyone your current role in the game? Um, yeah, so I'm a assistant manager at uh, at Gateshead. Um, so just on a on a day to day basis, obviously working with uh, with the manager, working with the coaching team, um, discussing um, game plans, sessions, um, and then implementing on the on the training pitch as well. I'm kind of the the well, we've got two or three coaches, and we all take turns in leading on sessions. So um, I do lead on the sessions, and as I say, implement the game plan really. Ian, it, it's it's a really interesting story how you got involved with coaching within football and uh, people who are uh, have observed and watched the non-league scene around the around the, the the region will know who you are. But how did you get actually involved in in coaching and being involved with Gateshead? Um, I really really lucky on uh, more than one occasion to be honest. Um, I was playing for Darlington under Martin Gray at the time. Um, and I'd just finished at uni and I, I wanted to be involved in a, in a full-time club um, more in the terms of the performance and strength and conditioning. So yeah. I'd set my own business up, just trying to um, help players who maybe didn't have full-time clubs in the, the strength and conditioning environment. Um, and I'd done a session for Darlington where it was basically just strength and conditioning. Really, I had them in a, in a gym in Washington where I'd set my business up and I got all the players along and Martin Gray came along and done some speed and agility and, and some strength work. Um, and Martin really liked the session. And just luckily enough, he was um, he was really close with Malcolm Crosby, who just got the Gateshead job. So he rang Malcolm as the session was happening. He said, I think you should get, uh, get Ian along and, and do a session with Gateshead. I think you'll like it. Um, so I went along, I think it was two days later, uh, to do a session with Gateshead out on the field and um, just done some speed and agility stuff. And luckily, Malcolm Crosby really liked it. And uh, he kept me kept me going along on a, on a part time basis. Really, I was going there two times a week while I was still playing. Um, and then fortunate enough, when Malcolm left the club and, and Neil Aspen came in, that Neil kept me on um, and Ever since then, it's got stronger with every manager, really. Neil was brilliant for me, really involved me in everything, what they were doing. I was out on the training pitch, joining in training quite a lot as well With their, when their numbers were short and just learning. And I knew then really that where my direction was going to go and I really wanted to be involved in, in football full time. Um, so I was learning as much as I could from, from everyone. And Steve Watson came in and, and at first I don't think Steve really wanted a strength and conditioning coach if he, he was quite set on what he wanted as staff. Um, but the chairman at the time just kept me in because he said I was a good link between the players and the, the coaching staff. And then yeah. luckily enough, I got a good relationship with Steve and um, he uh, he kept me around. And Steve involved me a little bit more in t- terms of the, the football side of things. So he would um, get me to watch training with him and he would ask me certain little things and just sort of that was the start of me of me coaching journey really in terms mm-hmm. of men's first team football. Um, and then when Steve left and went to York, we didn't have a manager and Ben Clark took over um, and Ben, obviously I get on so well with Ben. He's a really close friend and he just asked if I'd help being his assistant. Um, and then, yeah, that I've never, that's the role I've had as assistant manager, just really lucky to have mm. be in the right place at the right time. And then really lucky for Ben to get the job and 
Ben's been unbelievable for me in terms of what he done for me, and and then Mike gets the job and 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 see him, um, and obviously within that look, you know, if I if I if I was a if I was a bad person around the place or I, or I wasn't helpful or I wasn't doing a good job, they wouldn't have, you know what I mean? They wouldn't have asked me to come. So I have worked hard and I've, I've uh, made sure that I've, I've made the most of every opportunity, but a, a, a lot of luck has come for me to get them opportunities. Absolutely. But I think from, from you know, the names that you've mentioned there, some really big names involved with football and coaching yeah. and managing teams and you must have taken and must have learned an awful lot from them people from whether it's just observing taking part uh being around on match days in yeah so much um yeah. fr from from everyone obviously um they all have the the different styles in in terms of a lot of it from going from Malcolm Crosby to Neil Aspen was from one extreme to another like Neil um <clears throat> Malcolm Crosby was was so laid back. Um, I, I absolutely loved him as a person. He was, he was just a, a pleasure to be around, and he just made the game so enjoyable for everyone. And he was, he was all for the players. And he had Gary Owens assistant, who maybe wasn't that, but Gary was really good at um, coaching and, and putting good drills on and getting the intensity high. And then going to someone Neil Aspen, who um, I get on with so well. I still speak to him really regular now. He still helps me out. Um, and then understanding what his strengths were in terms of recruitment, like learning, he obviously had Jamie Vardy and he, uh, he got Jamie Vardy through to, yeah, I think he signed him at Halifax and then he sold him to right. Fleetwood. Um, and the big thing from Neil was, um, what I took from him was, I, I used to pick his brains of what he looks for in a player because mm. very rarely did he, he get it wrong. I remember the team he had here, um, at that time, we had six a group of 16, 17, and they were all so good. And I used to watch training, and I'd be like, wow, it's such a good team. But we, we didn't even make the playoffs. And then once Neil left, all them players dispersed. And if you look at all them players now, they're all playing League One, League Two football. Right. So he got, he got the recruitment right. It was maybe just they didn't mm -hmm. gel or, or something didn't go right for the team to, to be a collective. Um, so I, I, I learned so much from him. And I still ring Neil and, and Steve Watson. I speak, still speak to a lot now. And and ask for for his help and um obviously Steve was Steve was really good for me and Mickey Cummins as well who obviously you know um that they all, they all helped me out so much but I, I do think that they'll only help you as much as you want to be helped so I'm always one of these I want to I want to know everything I want to learn yeah. as much as I possibly can um <clears throat> and sometimes I probably made myself look a bit stupid asking certain questions but you only make yourself look stupid for about three or four seconds and then you've got the information what you want and, mm -hmm. and now you know mm -hmm. and, and that's always something that I was really conscious of when like uh, Steve would bring like Lee Clark in or Peter Beardsley into do sessions and I'd, I'd always want to get some information from them. It might be yeah. bad information, it might be good information, but I want the information to to digest it myself and, and kind of implement it in our ways. And then obviously with that, I was still playing at the time as well um, and playing under managers and obviously Jason Ainsley and Martin Gray and, and Alan Armstrong, who I learned a lot from as well. And not not being disrespectful at all to any any of them because everyone's got their own ways, but a lot of what not to do as well, and a lot of what mm -hmm. I maybe seen that I didn't like, and mm -hmm. um, what I started doing is I started writing little things down. So I have I've got a book now. I've still got it. It's literally just there. Um, any book I read, any podcast I listen to, any uh, anything that I'd learned as a player or when I was um, coaching, I'd write it down. And so now I go back to that literally every couple of days and and look at things and, mm. and I've, sometimes I still find myself now go seeing certain things and I'm like I'm sure that's something I, I why, why have I said that I don't like it and I'll look back and I'll be like yeah that managed to treat me like that and I didn't like it so now why am I implementing that do you know what I mean mm. so I'm just constantly learning all the time and I think yeah. that's probably me me main strength really at the minute is that I'm I'm willing to work hard and willing to learn 
Yeah, that's a great point in that the, the, the art of questioning and for our, for our learning as a, as a coach, isn't it? Of asking lots yeah. of questions uh, to find out where you are. Um, yeah. So, so yourself and Mike developed a fantastic relationship on and off the field uh, to bring lots of success to Gateshead. What would you say have been the foundations to building that changing room of players that are all pulling in the same direction? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's um, it's one specific thing that um, the the big thing that we said is when we we got the job and we talked about what we want to create. We sat down and we said we want to create something where everyone wants to play for us and no one wants to leave. And if they do leave, it's all done in the right way. So obviously for that we had to have the the right characters. Um, and Mike's huge on on hard work. That that is the foundation of everything. What we do. If if you ain't willing to come in and you ain't willing to run and you aren't willing to work hard in training, um, then you you just don't stand the chance, no matter how good you are. So within the changing room, we we said that we wanted the the changing room to police itself, and we wanted like what we call cultural architects. So we want people in the changing room who build the culture, who understand what the culture is understand what we want from the from the culture um, and they implement that in the change room and, and once the change room is policing itself we we believe that that's a that's a great success and sometimes when we we're talking to, to new players it's a tactic i've never seen done before from anyone else but mike actually almost puts them off signing so he'll almost tell them this is what i want and he, they know that the standards are this high so if you aren't even willing to to think in your head, oh, I could, I could live up to them standards. Then you definitely won't when you when you join. So if you're sitting there listening to Mike thinking, no, this is maybe isn't for me, then it definitely isn't for you. So he almost tries to put them off signing, and then if they they're still happy to sign, they know what they're in for. Then and we get that buy-in from from day one, and um, and then what we've got now, three or four years down the line, is when a new player comes in, they know on the first session, well, these these boys work hard. Like we signed Lewis Knight in there. The summer, and I think after the first training session, he watched. I said, "What do you think?" He said, "I'm going to have to run a lot here, and that 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 is perfect for me mm-hmm. because that told me what we want. We want lads working hard, really switched on, um, positive, pulling the same direction. And, and if any boys don't do that, unfortunately, it, it just doesn't work for them, and we and we have to move them on." Yeah, and what would you say they are that makes looking for in do terms you know? of? Personality characteristics or playing characteristics. But of both, but of both in. Personality characteristics, the big one we look for is that humbleness. Um, so Michael going, well, we, we'll both go and watch a game and this is the, the beauty with, with football really, but especially mine and Mike's relationship, we'll see something completely different. Um, he looks for what they're doing when they're not on the ball. And like little traits he looks for is like, are they, are they looking around in terms of am I affecting this game or are they just fixate on, oh, I'll just watch this game and I'm, I'm not really interested in what's going on. How they speak to people on the pitch, the body language on the pitch when we go to watch them. Is it, are there always what Mike calls that athletic stance where they're, they're in kind of that court, the squat, and they're always ready to move in any direction? Or are yeah. they upright and are they, are they quite laid back and just kind of letting the game pass them by? And that's a huge characteristic what Mike's look Mike looks for. And, um, if you if you're not a humble person, and when we speak to you, and obviously we look at the social media and we look at <coughs> um, any any sort of any references that we can that we can possibly get, we get. Um, and if there's anything that comes back in terms of they're not very humble and they're not good people, um, then then we won't touch them, no matter how good they are on the football pitch. We've had we've had ex Premier League players and stuff in the in the office. Um, 
wanting to sign and, and Mike said no because he doesn't think that they've they've got the right characteristics for him. Mm-hmm. So and and <coughs> do you think that's with Mike standard so high? What, where has that come from? Has that come from his playing career and the person that Mike is in <coughs> and yourself? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You're a product of your own environment, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and Mike will tell you he's not blessed the most technical player ever, but he's got to where he's got to through hard work and through leaving no stone unturned. He's uh, he's been willing to do whatever it takes to become a professional footballer. Um, always in the gym, always out working everyone he possibly can. So that's been his journey to get to where he is, um, and that's what he expects from from other people as well. And you come across, <coughs> excuse me. The, um, so Steve Watson was probably more of a technical player um, in terms of he was really good on the ball. And sometimes he'd do sessions and he couldn't understand why people why people couldn't do what he could do, um, like technical things, um, because he obviously he'd been such a good player. And and Mike's this Mike kind of takes a step back and he, he's not bothered about technical and stuff like that. He just wants you to be able to. To work as hard as you possibly can, and and we'll help you with the technical stuff, and we'll help you with the te- the tactical detail. Um, but we're never going to criticise anyone for um, not being able to do something technically. And I think, like a lot of the a lot of the sort of ex players and stuff who I speak to, I think that's what they struggle with with coaching. When you've played at that level and you drop down to coach, sometimes you do struggle initially with the. I don't understand why they can't do the simple things. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not even a, a thing in my head. Like receiving on the back foot. Surely you can receive on the back foot, <clears throat> but even at this level, it's not just can you receive on the back foot. It's, have you looked what's behind you first? Do you know what I mean? If you got your body yeah. position, is everything right? And some boys at the level can't do it. You have to work with them, and that's perfect for me because I've came from the the lowest levels you can play, and I understand that not everyone can do things. And 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 obviously, certainly myself as a player, I wasn't. Um, I was just very average player. So I think. That's my strength as a coach. When I see players do things and other players getting frustrated with them, I can say, well, no, I understand why you're doing that and maybe that can help you get better at that situation. Yeah, Ian, do you think, so season 21-22 was, <coughs> you know, success and winning the National League North. Um, all them characteristics that you had within your group got you that success? Because... That there was it was it was touch and go, wasn't it that season? Where yeah. it wasn't you know, it wasn't a given that you were going to get up as champs. No, um, obviously, if, if from the start of the season, I think we were. If you go off, because I think a lot of the, obviously the, the odds and stuff are done on um, on budget, and and we had certainly lower half budget. So you look at that, and no one thinks that you're gonna you're gonna get promoted. Um, what I will see is we we didn't we didn't lose many games. And a lot of the time, you could easily, I could easily come on and, and see here, oh yeah, like the characteristics and everyone bought into what we were doing and everything was brilliant. And and it was, but because we're winning every week, so there's no mm. reason for no one and to not buy into it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You come in the yeah. change rooms after a game and you've won the game, so everyone's buzzing, everyone's happy, everyone's really dedicated to buying into what you're seeing and um, the, the listen to what you're seeing and yeah, and everything's peachy, but then you get beat two or three games back to back and then all of a sudden you see different characteristics for people. Um, and that's why this year has been 
been I'm not, I'm not going to say more enjoyable but it's been as enjoyable because I'm learning well actually when I'm not winning every week what's my characteristics do I yeah. it's easy when we're winning every week for me to see oh this is me principles this is what I want and this is what we're going to do and then when we're winning like yeah yeah we've got it but then all of a sudden we're getting beat two or three games and I'm getting frustrated and, and do I still stick to the same principles then and I think that's when you really learn more about yourself um, when you when it's tough against you and, mm-hmm. and and do you still have them core values of in terms of do you still pick the person over the player, which we've always said. But if a player's producing on a on a Saturday and, and we're having a tough moment, do I change my principles then because he's winning his games now and I'm struggling to win games? And it's all these different things what's just unbelievable learning um learning for us. But like as you see last season was there wasn't there wasn't any any times where anything got really bad do you know what I mean we, mm. we, we were winning sort of every week and we we, we we tend not to look at the results we sometimes watch the games back and just take the goals out because we right. want to look at the performance yeah. um, so like example we beat Kidderminster last year 4-1 um, and everyone was like wow they just they took West uh, Ham I think it was to the last second West Ham equalised they were favourites to win the league we beat them 4-1 everyone was buzzing seeing what a good team we were we watched the game back and actually, Macaulay Longstaff just scored, I think he scored two from out of nowhere. Um, someone else scored a goal from out of nowhere. But actually, Kitty were probably the better team on the day. So we watch that back, not watching the goals, and it gives us loads to learn from. If we just sit back and think, well, we've won that 4-1, we must be a good side. Don't look at the game back. Let's go on the next one. We're not learning anything and we're not developing. But because we took the goals out of that game, and we actually know there's so much that we need to get better at and we need to learn from here, that 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 kind of keeps us going, and that 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 was brilliant for us last season that we done that because it kept the standards so high all the time. We weren't always just looking at um, goal scores and 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 what the result was. And some some of the boys like when they don't score goals, they think they've had a bad game. Um, like Macaulay last year, if he he at the start when he was on a run, he was I haven't scored a day. But I actually think his two best games last season for us were when he didn't score, and I showed him the games back. And he, he was like, yeah, I was I was very good. But in his head after the game, he was in the change room, was a bit down because he hadn't mm-hmm. scored goals. So it's like it's t- trying to digest the game and, and understanding what you actually want from the game and what that looks like on the pitch without just seeing the goals, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ian, you, you, you mentioned the, 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 the values and the standards um, that you and Mike hold within the group. Um, is this something that, you see feeding back within the players' group in the changing room training sessions on match days. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. We we have a um, we have like a leadership group um, where we we have four or five boys in the changing rooms who come in and regularly regularly sort of feed back to us what's happened. Um, and we and we say to them we want them to be the example. So we want them to be our example. So I want to literally think things in training that I'm going to say but one of the boys have already said it because they know because it's that structure and it's that yeah. obvious to everyone that the, the the boys know it so well and and, and they understand everything um, so yeah certainly we, we want we want everything kind of player led as, as much as it possibly can and I talked about before them them sort of culture architects where we want them building the culture we want them feeding back um everything to the to the change room which which comes from us and in setting the standards really and a big thing what we see is that if if you walk past the standard then you're accepting that standard so if you just walk past it and you don't see anything about it then you kind of accept it and you're doing the same as what they're doing um so we're, it's it's trying to get the balance between <coughs> um 
not everyone twisting at each other and having a go at each other, but just because we, we're, we're big on being positive and we don't really like that negativity. Um, but it is just if you see someone not doing something in terms of working hard or they're the trying to get away with things, you need to pull them up on it in the right way. And then we feel that everyone grows from that. But if you if you let lads get away with things and then it keeps going, then all of a sudden them principles that you've, that you've set and the standards that you've set, they just be they become no more, and it, it's hard to get them back because if you let them go for four weeks, and then all of a sudden you're pulling people up, they're like, "Well, he did it two weeks ago, or he did it mm. three weeks ago," and it just gets all mudded up. So you have to be really sort of on top of everything, and sometimes you do let slip, and that and that thing does happen. Um, but as I say, it's 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 getting the boys on board with it and making sure that they're policing themselves, which really helps. Mm. Ian, you you will have <coughs> you've been in a lot of dressing rooms, a lot of training pitches. Uh, observed a lot of sessions um, these values and standards that you're seeing at the minute within this group of players uh, is this something that you that you like in what you see um, of, of recent times yeah um, yeah I think obviously um, coming through I played in the Northern League when I was 17, so obviously you know what that's like. You see different cultures and different change rooms and different characters, um, and I think the big strength that we've that we've got at the minute is that that is the change room and, the, and that is the boys and they're all they're all really good they're all really good lads um, off away from football, and that's one thing that we we make sure we do our research on. Um, in terms of speaking to as many people as we possibly can, just what they're like off the pitch and what they're like away from the game, um, and and as long as they as long as they're good people and as long as they 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 carry themselves in the right way when they're in the club and and we we try and leave our egos in the car park. Um, obviously, I think you do need to bring a little bit of your ego in with you to when you're on the football pitch, but when you're in the change rooms and you're walking around the stadium, you you leave that ego in the car park and you you treat everyone ex- exactly the same. Um, whether it's the the people at the front desk, whether it's the kit man, whatever it is, we make sure that everyone's humble and everyone is very grounded when they're in and around the place. And then, as I say, when they go on the pitch, they can they can take that 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 ego up to there. But that's certainly a strength. We've got a we've got a good change room. We've got a good group of boys, um, <clears throat> and and that does come from a, from the manager who demands that you you are humble and you you yeah. are hardworking and and how you react to to everything gets noticed if your mm. body language is off if you. You're blaming other people all the time. We always say you need to look in the mirror in a non-judgmental way so you don't have to judge yourself. You can say, well, I didn't play very well today, but it's not the end of the world. You're still a good person. You're still a, a good son, a good brother, a good dad, whatever it is. You've just had a bad game of football, but you have to have that honesty with yourself. Mm-hmm. And we always say just take self-responsibility. Um, and as long as we have that, then that allows everyone to grow. And everyone has a really high ceiling when they take self-responsibility. <clears throat> as soon as you're giving your control away and you're blaming other people and... It's it's his fault that I'm not playing well. Well, if it's his fault that you're not playing well, you're never going to grow because you're just relying on him to play well for you to play well. You have to take that 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 self responsibility, and, and we have that in the change room. To be fair, we have boys. Sometimes not. Sometimes boys will be like trying to make excuses, but you you keep going with it. You keep going with it until they're like, yeah, actually, you're right, and that's where it comes to. You show them, look, you you're not doing this, and then you go up the training ground and you show them this is what I want you to do next game. Look, you've done it. Do you know what I mean? So you're just reinforcing them, them values all the time, really. And I think that's, that's what you get from, from having a good group, they're willing to to learn and get that feedback. Yeah. Ian, I think testimony to to, to you and Mike and the, the role and um, the job that you're doing at at Gateshead is the development of, of Macaulay and Scotty last season. Yeah. Um, You know, surely that must, (coughs) 
although you lost the players to 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 a bigger team. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to Gateshead, but Notch County. Um, yeah. You know the, the good work of developing these two lads with at this level. You know. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. It comes down to the work that you and Mike put in. Yeah, it, it's it's like a collective. It's a funny one because they've both had two different journeys, really, Macaulay and Keds. Um, Macaulay really um, benefit from COVID. So obviously we were still training when COVID was happening, but we didn't have any games. So there was no pressure on a game. Macaulay used to get on himself so much and he'd, he'd really feel that pressure. Um, but during COVID, it was like, listen, we're training. We're going to keep training. The intensity is going to be through the roof every day. And you could just see Macaulay, the pressure was off. And he was just growing every day. And I, I've, I've known Macaulay for, since he was 18, he signed for Gateshead, then he left and then he came back a few years later. So I was just seeing him grow and I was like, wow, he's, and, and we were seeing every day, Macker, if you can take this on the pitch, you, you're you going to be like so hard to, for opposing teams to, to, look at, to look after and control you. So just keep working, keep working. And he did and, and, when he went on the pitch and the start of the season, he got them a couple of goals and his performances were there and, He's stronger, he's quicker, he's fitter. He had just that belief. The penny had just dropped that, wow, everything I'm doing is working. I just need to stick to this. Um, and once that penny dropped, there was no holding him back. He looked like he was going to score every single game. He was just a nightmare for everyone. Um, <clears throat> and Keds was a, a new signing that we brought in, obviously, this season. Um, and just little things. Keds wants to learn all the time. He wants to know He wants to know everything. He, 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 he came in as a, as a number nine. Um we played like a, a nine with two tens off and we wanted our two tens narrow and get our width from our fullbacks. But we um, basically, if it depended on who we played in the nine, but Keds was more one that we I tried to coach a little bit to play as more of a false nine where he'd, he'd drop in a little bit and he wouldn't always be playing on the shoulder and we, we just tried to get him to play in between defenders. Um, and then technically on the ball, when you get Keds in the, on the ball in the box, he, he can score from, from anywhere. He's so good. He can manipulate the ball. He can manipulate defenders. So it was just a case of trying to get um, trying to get the, work the ball as high up as we could to be able to let Keds get on the, on the ball higher up. Whereas with Maka, we could play from deep and we could put the ball in the space in behind and he would just latch onto it all the time. But the one big thing that they did have, guys, was, and I think they both got it kind of through the season, they always knew if they got the ball that could make a difference to the game. So if if you see someone on the opposite side of the scale where, you know, if a pass goes like two metres too far and you can't quite get it and you're kind of like, oh, I wish I'd got the pass. But then when yeah. the penny drops, if that pass goes past you, there's no disappointment. You're just getting after the next one because you want the ball so much because you know that when you get it, you're going to make a difference. And Macker and Keds had that. If they were losing the header, they were bang on to the second one. Whereas rewind 12 months earlier, Macker was one of them. Whereas if oh, I couldn't get that off, oh, I've slipped over, I, I can't get the ball. All of a sudden, it just changed where that mm. desire to, to get on every second ball. If the pass wasn't great, I'm going to get the next one. I've given the ball away. I'm going to get the next one. I've missed a chance. It's the next one. <clears throat> and them two really, really got that. And once the penny dropped and you've seen it on the pitch, it was like, wow, these two are, uh, these two are really, really tearing it up. And obviously, they had a really good base behind them. We probably played the perfect way for them, which is why Notts County took them on. Notts County do all the all the uh, analytics there, obviously owners are analytical, analytical company. So they looked at everything and that's why they, that's why they took them to. Um, so everything was suited for them, but the, there was no getting away from it. They'd done well because they, they worked so hard. And with that work, that hard work came the confidence and everything else grew. And at the end of the season, we had obviously um, 30 goals each that 
we would desperately try and keep hold of. But unfortunately, with with finances and buyout clauses being met, we couldn't do. Mm. Ian, current challenges for you as a coach moving forward on your coaching journey? <clears throat> um, a little bit what I touched on before, really, making sure that because this season we're not doing as well as last season that I don't fall into becoming a coach that I don't want to be. Um, mm -hmm. As I see, it's it's so easy when you're winning every week to to paper over any cracks and, and kind of accept that, oh, well, what I'm doing must be working because we're winning. Whereas now I'm like getting frustrated with things and we're not winning. It's tough and everything else that comes with it. And it's just always going back then principles, right? I need to work harder. I need to work harder. I need to find the answers for the boys so I can coach the boys so they can be better. And then ultimately, once the team is better, my journey becomes more successful because obviously in football, you have to, you have to win games to to show your success. So um, I think the the big this this is perfect for us in terms of the league we're in now. We're, we're punching massively above our weight. We're coming up against really good managers. We're coming up against unbelievable players every week, and it's it's finding new ways and new ideas, but never coming away from the the principles. Um, the big thing for me this year, guys, and I know obviously we haven't touched too much on this year is. Um, if you've ever seen us play, we play out from the back and we try to play through the thirds and that's something that we've worked on for three or four years and that, yeah. that's the, I always see you can only coach a team to play how you feel comfortable on the side. So like if you've got a, um, a direct manager who likes to play direct, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that there's so many ways to play the game mm -hmm. and if you're comfortable with that, that's the right way for you to play the game. But if I was manager of a, or a coach of a, of a team that was direct, I really wouldn't enjoy being on the side of that. So then why am I why would I do it? And it's the same with um if a manager likes playing direct, but the team plays and, and they don't like it because they're really uncomfortable with the ball being so close to their goal and they're playing, then why would you do it? You would you you would be more direct. And this year, because we've not been winning, the amount of messages I've had from people in phone calls saying, Have you not just thought about being more direct and, and being more solid at the back and and just like kind of playing off second balls? And it's like, nah, there's this this is I we need to get better at this. This is the this is That's the journey. Make philosophy, of isn't course, it? yeah. And that that yeah. that for me is the success, guys. So if we if we get relegated by trying to play the way that we want to play, then next year I need to get better at it. If I just change and we start going direct, and then oh we're getting a little bit success, I'm still always going to go back to how I want to see my team play on the pitch. Mm -hmm. So really, I'm just wasting a year by changing something for the result. And um, so I'm, I'm really massive on on sticking with our principles and, and Mike is as well. And we'll never come away from, from what we, what we want to do. We just have to get better at it. And we really believe in it. And the way we play, you have to have every single person in the building with every cell in the body, believing that that's the right way to play. Because if you've got one person who's half against it and half not wanting to do what you want to, what, what the team wants to do, then you can't, it doesn't work. So you mm -hmm. have to stick with it and you have to be so strong in your beliefs. Um, and obviously I'm not naive. I know that oh, we, we keep getting beat 5-0 every week, so we're going to keep playing. You have to just find different ways and you have to get stronger at the back and you have to look at why you're conceding them goals, but never coming away from the principles and the concepts that you, that you really believe in and that you're involved in the game for. That that That's why I love the game so much because I, I love seeing like um, Man City's, Liverpool's teams like that. that, that that's what I love and Ultimately, that's why I'm in, in the game because it's it's the it's the journey. You're only going to stick with it, and you're going to give it your hardest work if you love it and you mm. you see the product on the pitch. If that makes sense. Absolutely, Ian. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, no, thank you, guys. Chatting with you today uh, on from the sidelines.
talking about uh, coaching values. Um, we'll wish you all the luck moving forward in Gateshead and, and with your coaching journey. Thanks, Eve. Perfect. Cheers, guys. Thanks, mate.